magnificent morning folks this is jay jameson with her story podcast her is an acronym for heroic empowering and resilient and this is a self-improvement self-acceptance and women empowerment podcast my main purpose is to encourage empower and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity each of us has a story maybe it's an illness a financial burden or a dead-end job In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is often within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you may be currently facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they use their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you. Because you are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient. Again, great morning, good people. It is Jay Jameson with her story. Um, I have partnered with some amazing people on a project called the HBCU Experience Movement, which in short is a collection of stories celebrating the black college experience from alumni throughout the world, throughout the country. And the unique part about this project is that all proceeds or a partial amount of proceeds from the book sales are then invested back into the HBCU colleges and institutions. Um, so today, we will shed light on the North Carolina A&T State University HBCU experience. Um, and just in short, you know, for Black students particularly who attend HBCUs, we learn so much about each other through sharing the same experiences and exploring college, exploring life without having fears of being ostracized or having cultural indifferences and finding your voice and being able to really find who you are as an individual. My personal HBCU experience it allowed me to find my creativity, my drive, my voice, my love for organizing and for politics and policy and all of those great things. I attended Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was able to be a member of SGA, initiative the Beta Psi chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I was Miss Freshman, ran for Miss Southern, and so much more. But I also found lasting friendships and a reliable network and relationships that later helped me to really propel my career. And although everyone's HBCU experience is different, we must share our stories and also bring light to our stories and the positivity and the importance of an attending an HBCU. So with all of that being said, today I have with me Miss Tatiana Dorsey, who is a 2011 graduate from North Carolina A&T State University. She received a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Psychology, and she later pursued a Master's degree in Human Resources Management, graduating in 2014. Tatiana, welcome to her story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely so excited for you to be able to join today. You know, um, today has been a struggle. I'm really transparent on her, uh, her story. You know, we were trying to make sure that we were in line with our time zones, trying to make sure that my software and equipment was up to par, but we are here and I am excited to take a dive into your story, Tatiana. Um, And, you know, what struck out to me is that you currently work in the consumer goods industry in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And diversity and inclusion is really needed for any company 
to be successful and equity and representation is needed across the board, right? And I currently work for the Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. We are the 501c3 Civic Engagement Table for Louisiana. And our primary focus is to amplify the voices of those within black and brown communities, those communities who have been historically neutered and, um, and marginalized and also educate our people, educate our black people, educate our minorities around the importance of voting rights and voting and elections and being civically engaged outside of election cycles, being able to provide resources to folks on the ground and um, giving them the tools to leverage their work, uplifting the work of our black men and boys and really producing leaders. And, um, you know, in height of Black Lives Matter and the movement of Black Lives, I know that your your job and your position, position particularly has been very important within the movement that we're living in today. So, you know, my first question to you is, you know, how have you used your position to be even more intentional in providing equity and diversity within your work field? Absolutely. That's a great question. And it's a really great start because it truly capitalizes on what I do in my professional life and my personal life. I like to create spaces where people can be their authentic selves. So that's what I do personally and professionally. And to answer your question, um, with everything that's happening right now, and you may hear people say that it's an exciting time to work in the space of diversity and inclusion. And, um, and it is. It is an exciting time. But it's coming from and stemming from very unfortunate circumstances, right? So I had to kind of ask myself, why, why now? Like, why are we... For example, the people that do what you and I do and and so many countless others who strive every day to try to bring equity to the forefront and make sure that marginalized groups have a voice and a seat at the table, you know, what what is the space now? Like, why are we so shaken? And the only thing that I could think about was COVID. Right. And how it literally brought everything to a standstill. And it's really forced corporations to take a look at what's happening around them. We're so often, you know, so busy and out, you know, outside of our homes and having to go here and there and make this meeting and travel to this space that things that are happening within our communities, whether they be local or our national news, um, you know, often get overlooked. So it's unfortunate that it's happening, but it is a a really great time and space for us to bring this to the forefront even further. So in in my um, consumer goods industry and the company that I work for, we're doing just that. We are trying to create that space and have that conversation, really bring the dialogue to the forefront so that it becomes more of an action statement versus just kind of enhancing awareness. And when you're not in the thick of it, when you don't live this every day, it just kind of seems like, oh, that's happening to those people over there. And COVID was a really prime example of that because for us in the United States for so long in 2019, uh, in the fall and the winter before um, January hit, it was always, oh yeah, you guys hearing about that thing that's happening in China? And, um, you know, like, you know, people would were kind of glance over, and then it became a joke, right? And then it was, yeah, right, you guys heard about that Heineken disease, or you know, that that Corona, that Bud Light disease going on, and then it hit the U.S. and And I think often, you know, racism is a, a example of that. We don't truly understand it until we experience it, or until it's brought to us, and we have to understand what's happening. 
so, um, you know, that's what's happening for a lot of us in the DNI practitioner space right now. It's, it's in our lap. It's, in, it's on our table. And we have to make sure that we execute and we do the right thing for our people, not just within these corporations, but within our communities. Definitely. And, you know, you saying that unless something directly impacts individuals, they really don't understand it and they really don't get it. And um, like COVID-19 and black folks being disproportionately affected, like just for instance, Louisiana, we are only about 35 percent, 30 percent blacks throughout the state. But at one point, 70 percent of black folks throughout the state were impacted uh, Um through COVID-19, right? And not only impacted by the disease um, or the virus, but impacted through having an entire state financial crisis, impacted by those being unhoused, impacted by unemployment. But again, like you said, it's important that we are represented within corporate America, within our jobs and career, but also crossing that over into our personal lives and providing opportunities and ensuring that everyone is educated and also afforded with the proper resources to get out out of this time, right? To still survive and thrive within this COVID reality. And, you know, as a black woman, like I, I will always say, hand it over to a black woman to lead, hand it over to a black woman to do it. So, you know, like as a black woman and a graduate from an HBCU, how did your HBCU experience, how did that really provide the foundation for you to defy adversities within your personal life and career? For me personally, it was the the joy, not only the joy of an HBCU, right? But seeing individuals, like you said, directly impacted who look like me who may look like my mom my aunt my uncle and coming from a black town um that circles around southern university seeing these folks you know clearly uh kind of just crying out for help and those not really being able in positions of power to actually help them it allowed me for my time at southern university to allow me to use my voice and that carried over to my personal career to speak out, to speak the truth and to try to uh, create like innovative measures to help folks who are impacted. So how did your experience in college help you within your personal life and career in terms of defying adversities? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And I, um, I love and admire the fact that you, um, you know, grew up in a town where you got to experience that firsthand. Um, and, you know, you were able to kind of position yourself around the spirit of Southern University. Um, I did not have that. I grew up and moved. It seemed like every time I kind of planted roots somewhere, really established, um, you know, core friendships and, was you know really just kind of getting comfortable with where my with my surroundings it was always time for us to pack up and move my dad worked in sales my entire life and we were always relocating and going to another space for his job and um I didn't have that college experience but I always heard about it and I loved a different world right that was my favorite tv show Mm -hmm. um but my dad he is a diehard Fayetteville State Bronco my mother she went to Winston-Salem State University which is actually one of my ANC rivals um so it makes for interesting discussions around the dinner table um but I um I always wanted that sense of belonging and that's what my chapter is about in the HBCU experience book is how ANC gave me that 
And I came up around very different spaces. I moved all up and down the East Coast. I've lived as far north as D.C. and spent countless times with my uh, family in northern New Jersey and New York and got to experience kind of like what their lives were like and what my life was like in D.C. and Maryland. And then we rerouted ourselves further south and we lived in Georgia. We lived in South Carolina, and then we finally kind of planted ourselves in North Carolina, and that is where I finished school, and everywhere I would go, the people would be so different, and even the black people would be extremely different, extremely diverse, so it wasn't necessarily like um, I was looking for, like, filling a void, I got a chance to meet people that were cut from all different types of cloth, had all different kinds of backgrounds, and I love that because it always it always kind of challenged my views on things and gave me different perspectives. And then, you know, it showed me that there wasn't always like a cookie cutter way of doing things or cookie cutter way of, of being successful or cookie cutter way of looking at life and looking at um, things from like a political standpoint, if you will, or what's happening in your area is not necessarily what's happening in the globe or your, your country or what's happening in the Caribbean or, you know, different places are being impacted by different things. And it really started to open up my scope and it started to open my eyes into this isn't just about me and my family and and where we have roots in our spaces, but this is about everyone. So I, I really took that experience from, especially when I got to A&T, because I think so many people often, you may have experienced this too, when you go to an HBCU, you may hear people that didn't go to an HBCU that automatically challenge the fact that you went to a place yes. where everybody looks like you, exactly. right? right? And I'm often kind of, you know, not in a fiery way, but reminding them that, yeah, like, my school was predominantly black, right? But... That we were all so different. You had your people from Cali. You had your your NYNJ Aggies, your right. 252 Aggies, your GA Aggies, you know, people from all over. We had our Caribbean connection, and everybody that I met was so different. Right. So it really, you know, I feel like it prepared me even more, but it also gave me that confidence. It gave me that family belonging. It made me know that no matter where I go in the world, an Aggie or another fellow HBCU graduate is always going to have my back. I'm always proud to to meet another person in a position where I could be interviewing for a job, for example, and there's another HBCU person. And it's not like, you know, we're giving each other any kind of favoritism, but it's kind of like that, you know, like, hey, I got you. Like, I know what you did. I, but they also hold you to a higher standard because they know that if you were successful at your HBCU, that you have to come in the door and be successful and rock it out in your organization as well. Yes. So that prepped me. Definitely. And I can definitely relate to that. I went to a predominantly white school from preschool through 12th grade, went to Catholic private school. So it was not necessarily that I felt like I couldn't be myself, you know, but of course, I always stuck out because I was the only black girl in my in my class from preschool through 12th grade. And so when I went to Southern right. University, it just gave me that sense of feeling as though I'm at home, right? That sense of feeling as though right. I have a family here. And one of the things that um, definitely stuck out to me was the sense of a tradition. You know, I love having 
the tradition of Bayou Classic and the homecoming yeah. courts and being an HBCU queen and even the rivalries, right? The, you know, Jackson State University and Grambling University, all of these mm-hmm. things are traditions that are deeply rooted, that are passed down from generation to generation. And like you said, we may not have gone all to the same institutions, but sharing that same network of being an HBCU graduate and knowing that we may not even receive the same amount of adequate resources as PWIs and other colleges and institutions, Mm -hmm. but we make a way out of no way and we still rise and we are still successful. And that's the power that is, you know, the the great pride within being an HBCU graduate. And with being right. an HBCU graduate, you know, um, I did find a love for, again, the community, right? Southern University being in Scotlandville, being um, surrounded by a black community, um, having a love with the community through my sorority, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha. I know, you know, I have to show D9 love. You also are a member of Delta Sigma Theta. And with having a love for the community, having uh, exposure to empowerment, to community, to love, to working and programming and uplifting our community, I know that also you have a 501c3 organization, uh, Ladybugs, and I want you to just share a little more about your love for the community and women empowerment and when was your organization established? What's its mission? And what plans do you have for Ladybugs? Absolutely. Well, this gets me going because the Ladybugs is my baby. We started, um, well, I always like to kind of like go back and say the original concept and theme came from my experiences at a and I had the pleasure of working through a housing and residence life program called the Peer Mentors. And um, we had a initiative inside of our program called Sister Circle, and we would go and host um, discussions every week with the women that stayed on campus, and we would talk to them just about their stories and their lives, and uh, it really it really established connections. It brings me so much joy to see that work that I did 12 years ago, and the connections that were established from freshmen that started on campus and the the people that they met and that are now best friends and they're like in each other's weddings, celebrating babies being born. And um, I actually had a group of uh, young women that stopped by and uh, my house here in Atlanta just visiting and they called and said, you know, hey, we're in the area. We'd love to see you. And that connection just is a beautiful thing. So from that concept, we created the Ladybugs. And a lot of the I mean, that I mentored within the Ladybugs, um, I'm sorry, within Sister Circle, kind of joined in and kind of helped me in a a let's go mentor the the community kind of fashion. So uh, the Ladybugs is a 501c3 nonprofit mentoring organization that I have the pleasure of, that I found it, but I have the pleasure of leading, but I'm only a a one-person portion of the group. We have four of us, and we're all Aggies. Um, And each of them have come up through the program and helped mentor, but now they help me organize and strategize and lead the organization. So I never like to make it seem like it's just me that does this. There there are four of us. And um, we just, we try to put on initiatives and programs that motivate women and inspire them to build, uplift, and guide our sisters. That's where the BUGS acronym comes from. Um, Our mission is to ensure that we put in uh, positive mental development programs and constructive mentoring programs 
and we have the vision of every girl empowered while empowering every girl. And that's really important to us because so often you'll have these organizations that, you know, focus on girls, but, you know, we don't put a focus on a marginalized group of girls. And when we go out into the community and we would go into after school programs and lunchtime programs and have conversations about um, you know, loving yourself and identity and, you know, the fact that, that they can do anything that they want to do. We wanted to make sure that they saw themselves in us because we saw we saw ourselves in them as, as adolescents in our communities. Now, the plan for Ladybugs has changed. It's shifted. Um, we are kind of taking ourselves out of that community area that surrounded A&T, and we're going to a digital platform We actually planned on doing so before COVID-19 hit, and I'm so glad that we started putting that plan into action because of COVID, we don't have the capacity to do face-to-face interaction anymore. So we're looking to build development platforms within our digital space and really share stories and continue that storytelling piece that brings so many people together um, through our projects of loveliness is what we call it. And loveliness is always kind of funny. People ask, why do you call it loveliness? But by definition, loveliness is a swarm of ladybugs. Um, It's so big and so large that it comes up on the weather channel um, or, you know, a weather kind of system as a storm. Because there's so many ladybugs in this cluster of, um, you know, that's just kind of going through the air, but it's so large, it comes up as a storm, which I love because that's a tribe, right? And that shows the support that they that they show for one another to get from point A to point B. So um, that is what we're doing. We're working on a digital platform. I uh, would love to connect with you on, on what we're doing in the future and, and bring my team uh, to discuss that a bit more. But we're just looking to kind of expand our scope and expand our reach. We have worked for almost 10 years in the Greensboro, North Carolina, High Point, North Carolina community and done so in a way that provided professional development and mentoring opportunities and community service opportunities to other Aggies. And now we're just looking to kind of expand and launch. And, and reach people no matter where you are in the globe. Right. And I, I truly um, love just the overall concept of ladybugs and the importance Thanks. right now, how important it really is to expand your reach and use digital organizing and a digital platform so you can impact others throughout the country because each of us has a story. It's important to highlight and share our story, but also creating that space of relatability and um, providing resources to young ladies. You know, I love women empowerment. Her story is focused on empowering other women. I I definitely do different empowerment uh, conferences and and speaking. But, you know, I always say let's empower each other, but also let's follow up with providing resources and opportunities. And one of the things that you said that really stood out to me is that these are young girls who are not only just mentored and provided opportunities within their adolescent years through – ladybugs and through your mentorship but now they're also a part of creating strategies and being a part of programming and giving them the resources to help them leverage their work which is amazing um so that's what it's all about that full circle experience and with that being said you know like what advice would you give a young lady who's interested in attending an hbcu do it (laughs) that would be my my biggest thing make sure you you do it you um go and 
find one. The thing that I love about attending HBCU is that, you know, there are so many. And we have our jokes amongst each other, especially when you have your rivalries and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we just have the hope of, like, go and, you know, plant yourself, join your community, and create that space. And, you know, just, just find that sense of belonging. Because no matter which HBCU you attend, you'll get that wherever you go. And, you know, it's just, it's a really beautiful thing. And it's almost like I've been on my, my chat with Bozeman and stuff today since he passed yesterday, which really, you know, hit us hard. Right. But it's our Wakanda. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it is our kind of utopic, like, space where we can go, we can thrive. And, you know, it's, just, it's this magical place for us. I've had the pleasure of going and attending spaces within the Bayou Classic and feeling you know, the energy from Grambling and, and Southern. I love when I'm able to be, there's just, there's, there's just no other feeling when you're around your own school, right? So, of course, I'm always biased to, like, what we call Jiho, the greatest homecoming on earth, and, you know, <laughs> just going home and feeling feeling like you're at home. And, you know, when, you, when I see someone, I can be at the airport or the gas station, and if I see someone with an Aggie hat on or if they see me, I have on a sweatshirt, like, we yell out Aggie pride to each other. We run up, like, what year did you graduate? Oh, my God. Like, you know so-and-so. And it's like, you met a cousin. Right. <laughs> like, and you've never seen them before. I have literally been in the airport and on, like, the, the train through Hartsville, Atlanta um, airport, and somebody has yelled out to me, can I get an Aggie pride? And I respond. That's like, yeah. you know, that's what we do. It doesn't matter where you are. We could be in church. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter where you are. Like, your your true Aggie is going to yell that back out, and then you're greeting that person, you're hugging them, you know, it's it's a family, and I've, you know, I've, I have attended a PWI, I got my master's from a PWI, and I have on my PWI attire, right, and, um, you know, I can run into someone and say, oh, yeah, I went there, too, like, did you like it? I'm like, yeah, and that's it, right. <laughs> like, you know, we gotta, you know, walk and we part ways, but, like, when you see someone who went to your HBCU, that's your aunt, that's your uncle, that's your cousin. You've never met them before, but you're all connected together through one one family, and that's through your HBCU. Definitely. Like you said, you know, it's our utopia. You know, the world has enough of heartache. The world has enough of its own battles and different things that we have to overcome. And, you know, it's we sometimes have the conversations where folks say that an HBCU isn't realistic, but like you said, there is diversity within our very own people. So let us just experience this four years of us being embodied and having the fulfillment of being around people to enjoy each other, you know, having that fulfillment and uplifting each other as black folks, uplifting each other within our culture. And it's something that changes um, it was something that we hold on from generation to generation. And just, you know, right. would you, you say, you know, the PWI experience or going to a predominantly white school or what have you, a lot of times those relationships and those connections, they're good, but they, they halt like right then and there, you know, like within that moment yeah. while you're in high school or while you're in college or while you're in a specific program. But I mean, with HBCUs, even with like Greek organizations, Divine Nine Love, all of this is a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime fulfillment. And we carry it from years to years. And and that's what I personally love about HBCUs. Um, 
And, you know, before we even go on to the next, I have to ask you about your HBCU love story. I, you know, I still look at what is Dwayne Wayne and Whitley, like you said, a different world. Like that was a a couple that I idolized growing up. And, you know, I I think it is, it is um, very amazing that you were able to marry your college sweetheart. And so I just want to know, you know, how did your HBCU experience, how did it shape like the love and foundation of your relationship? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Dwayne Wade, because I, uh, so Whitley used to call him Pookie, and I uh, started calling uh, my husband Donald Pookie Pie, <laughs> and it was uh, stemmed off of that, but um, we met in the library, uh, which is really kind of cheesy and corny, but it's true, we met in the library, it was probably just, you know, disclaimer, I was not the bookworm that was always in the library, neither was he, it just so happened to be one day, that we both decided to take a group session in the library. We, um, I was downstairs and in the basement, kind of like where the groups would meet of the library, and our chairs and our tables were kind of facing each other, but the sides of the table that I that we were both on were facing each other. And this guy, just kept eyeing at me. It's really funny because when he tells a story, he always tells it way different than I do. But this is the truth. <laughs> I tell the truth. <laughs> uh, and he kept smiling at me, and I, I did think he had a really nice smile. I thought he was very handsome, and um, I would study with a stress ball, and he kept making me nervous. Like, every time I would look up, he was, like, looking at me, and I would, like, drop the ball, and I'd have to go walk over and pick it up. And um, his group finished before mine, so, you know, I was like, well, if he don't say nothing to me, I'm, you know, definitely not saying nothing to him. That's not how I roll. So he came, and he was bold enough to pull up a seat next to me in my study group full of of women, and (laughs) he sat down, and he goes, and his very, and you'll appreciate this because he's from your your area, his very southern draw, and was like, you know, what y'all, what y'all studying? (laughs) You know, we looked at him, and my friends were like, you know, you're very bold to just come and sit next to us, and we were studying zoology, and it so happened that our test the next day was on crustaceans. And I'm sure that this is going to really be good to your soul as a Southern grad. He's like, oh, yeah, I know all about crustaceans, crawfish, and, you know, all these other things. And he You're started right. educating us. <laughs> and so, you know, we're a little bit impressed. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he talks to us, but, you know, we have to get back to studying. And his football teammate is looking at him like, bruh, wrap this up. <laughs> and... He goes, um, you know, I'd love to have continue this conversation with you on crustaceans. And I'm like, well, you can look me up on Facebook because I don't give to people that I don't know. And he's like, well, you know, like, that's so impersonal. Like, I'd like to talk to you more. So I had never had anybody come back to me after I told them to look me up on Facebook. Right. They're usually like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So I gave him my number and the rest literally is history. We met. And uh, we didn't date right away, but um, we have been together ever since 2009, and um, we have moved from place to place, and we've been together. Like, literally the rest of history, he is my, he's my number one person. He's my person. I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy or anything, but he is my go-to person. He, he's everything that I'm not, which is it gives me so much balance like I'm a very like energetic he's energetic in his own way but like I'm full of like you know I gotta do this do this do this and he's very laid back and you know like he likes to be outside and 
Um, you know, he's very calm when I'm not calm. So he's he's the yin to my yang or yin to my yang, and he is um he's my perfect balance. I was just about to say, it sounds like he's definitely your perfect balance. And I love that, too, that, you know, that you all were able to connect in college. And even though it didn't initially start dating in the beginning, that friendship formulated into a relationship that's transitioned into a marriage. And so I wish you all um, all of the success together as a couple, as partners. And, um, you know, just within marriage, I- I'm still waiting for my HBCU love story, child. Uh, it has not happened yet, uh, <laughs> but I have not given up and I'm definitely hopeful through your story. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. And just, you know, in closing, how can folks connect to you? I enjoyed learning about you just within this short interview, but if people want to learn more just about your nonprofit organization, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So um, my nonprofit organization can be followed on social media at the Ladybugs Official. Um, We are on Instagram and Facebook. I am personally on Instagram as um, at closer underscore the number to my dream. Um, My Facebook platform is just my name, Tatiana Dorsey. And um, we do have a family page. So you can come and see my HBCU love story and our little Aggie baby and all of his energy. Uh, on our family page is called uh, Digging the Dorseys. Love it. Love it. So thank you again for joining us, Tatiana. Um, definitely have a lot of similarities. Tatiana is familiar with Louisiana, as she stated. You know, Donald is uh, Louisiana, um, born and raised, and we actually know some of the same people. So the world is really small. And we definitely (laughs) uh, have that HBCU love and connection. So, again, thank you for making time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Continue doing great things on your platform, and I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Awesome. Appreciate that. And so, you know, listeners, in closing, always remember that your story is not solely for you. It is meant to be shared with others and provide hope to those facing similar situations. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share your story. You are a victor, a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles don't last always. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her heroic, empowering, and resilient. And if you are empowered in any way, encouraged, motivated, and simply just enjoy this story, please follow her story on Instagram at herstory underscore podcast. You can tune in every Wednesday on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast, and we're out.